Time for some season's beatings. We watched Violent Night. Well, you have to start with Welcome to 50 Films. Oh, sorry. Welcome to 5050 Films. I'm Peter. And I'm Autumn. We watched Violent Night. This week. This week. Because it was my birthday. Yeah, this episode actually has a bit of a theme, which is kind of fun. We watched two 2022 Christmas movie releases. Yep. So, like Peter said, the first one we saw was Violent Night, which was a not-well-kept surprise for Peter's (laughs) birthday, because I had already kind of planned for us to go, and then the one day he was like, oh, I really want to see Violent Night, and I made a face, because I can't keep Actually, no. Yes, I said, I really want to see Violent Night, and then I went, are we going to see Violent Night for my birthday? Uh, and then you couldn't keep a face. Oh, uh, I thought you made... I no. I thought you said that because I made a face. No. I think I was looking up when we were doing that. Just hanging out. Yeah, but we did go see it. It is important to mention that we went for Peter's birthday, to me at least, because this is not a movie that I wanted to see. <laughs> I don't... If you have listened to this podcast before, you know that I don't tend to like... Any sort of, like, blood, gore, violence in movies. And I also have a very, like, weak stomach and tolerance for that sort of thing. So the fact that we were going really was, like, a birthday present for Peter. That I was like, we're just gonna go see the movie he wants to see and I'll get over myself. Um, And I ended up enjoying it quite a bit more than I thought I would. I was kind of dreading going to see it. Just because I wasn't quite sure what it was going to be. But honestly, I really liked this movie. Do you want to talk a little bit about what it's even about? Um, so the concept is... And these are spoilers, of course. As always. For both of these movies, because they both just came out. But this one's in theaters, and the other one was direct to Amazon. Right? Mm-hmm. This one, spoilers for Violent Night... David Harbour is Santa Claus. That's not really a spoiler because that's in the trailer. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, it kind of starts out with him. You can see he's, he's pretty fed up with Christmas. He's been doing it for thousands of years, or without, over a thousand years. Um, and he thinks that everyone, like a lot of the kids these days aren't, they don't, they don't appreciate Christmas anymore. They just want the stuff, right? So, you know, he's drinking at a pub in the, in the UK, um, and then he, you know, there's like this whole little bit where this pub lady sees that he's actually Santa Claus because he gets up, he goes up to the roof to like leave when he's like drunk and leaving. Um, and for Autumn, she thought that he might be the bad guy at this point. Yeah. I and think. I, I know we watched the trailer, mm-hmm. but I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't remember what this was going to be, and that was kind of what was turning me off to the idea of seeing this movie, aside from, like, the obvious violence that was going to be included, was I thought this was going to be, like, an evil Santa take, mm-hmm. which could have been done well. I mean, Futurama does it in a very fun way, but, <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't quite what I wanted from this movie, and thankfully that's not at all what it was. Yeah, and so when they go, they skip off of Santa and go to the Lightstones. The Lightstones, Trudy Lightstone. 
And her parents. And her yeah. parents. Um, it, the Lightstones. So the parents are like kind of separated right now. I don't remember if they're actually divorced. They I don't are not think divorced. They are. I think they're just separated. They are estranged. Yeah. But they both still wear their wedding rings. Yes. So I didn't even notice that. It must oh, have been something I, you were looking I for. I always notice people's rings. <laughs> so, um, so the Lightstones, uh, I forget what the dad's name is. His name is Jason. Okay, Jason. And her name is Linda. Jason and Linda. Um, their mother, Gertrude, not their mother, but his mother, Jason's mother, um, Gertrude Lightstone, um, horrible woman. Uh, they, the Lightstones are an incredibly, like, a hyper-rich Connecticut family, right? Um, they have this massive estate, um, and it's super well-guarded, right? There's, like, you know, security, whatever. Um, I think they have something to do with the defense industry, or something like that. That's definitely what it seems um, to be. So that, that's like kind of the little like backstory for them. Um, the, the Jason's sister, forget her name. I think it's Alba. Alba. Or Alda. Alda. Horrible people. His sister is Alva. The, Alva. Alva. Um, her boyfriend, who's like this weird uh, Hollywood bum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> garbage action movie star right uh and her son who's just a little shithead influencer kid um you don't like any of that family and you're not meant to no um these are for the most part aside from trudy and probably linda and jason well mostly linda yeah (laughs) um they are horrible people um, and because they're, you know, these, like, ultra-rich Connecticut, like, old money mid-Atlantic, or, or like, uh, transatlantic people, right? Um, they just, it's just unlikable. Um, and they get, so, okay, now, I don't, I'm just kind of explaining this too much. Um, it's an action movie. Uh, they, they're, they're super rich. There's a group of people, this, this douchebag played by, uh, John, or John Leguizamo? Yeah. No. Yeah, John Leguizamo. Yeah, his, they, all of the bad guys go by pseudonym, so yes. he's Mr. Scrooge in the movie. Yeah, so John Leguizamo is the main bad guy. Um, he's got his crack team, they are, they pose as some of the contracting caterers for this, like, Christmas party, right? So, um, they kill all the other staff, they just have the family hostage in the one room, um... The little Trudy was given uh, by her dad, who's, you know, he means well, um, like a, a single walkie-talkie um, and told that it was a direct line to Santa, right? Um, and so she's, like, talking to the walkie-talkie and stuff. Uh, it's, it's clear that there's a reason her parents are separated right now. They're, they're just, they, have, they have trouble because um, Jason's having trouble getting out from under his mother's thumb. Because she's, you know, super rich and very connected and all this stuff. Um, so these guys raid. Uh, you know, everyone else is dead. They killed a nice doorman, which is really sad. Yeah, that was um, very sad. But, uh, yeah. Uh, there's all this other stuff. Santa um, just happens to be at the house. Santa and Santa is 
He, he has made his stops. We see him complaining about other things at, at, other, at other places, right? Um, just, you know, not... He's, like, sick of it still. Um, and he gets there. He, like, he likes the fact that the cookies are homemade, right? He's a big fan. Um, he pours the milk out into a plant, fills it with brandy, you know, that kind of thing, right? Um, <laughs> when he grabs the brandy, he's like, that's pre-war, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he's there uh, when this raid happens, and the, one of the guys catches him, and Santa beats the shit out of him, and they, like, in the fight, they both get, they pitched out a window, and the one guy gets impaled on this massive fake icicle, um, and uh, Santa's fine. Um, and... <laughs> And then there's another fight that happens in the game room in the basement um, where Santa, like, you know, sticks the treetopper star to the guy's eye and then plugs it in and kills him. Um, and then he gets a, he gets the, the radio. And in the, on the radio, he gets, ends up getting connected with Trudy. He's talking through the, her little, you know... Her walkie-talkie, uh, walkie yeah. Uh, so <laughs> this guy... Um, so we, we get a little bit of backstory for Santa. We find out that at one point he was a Viking, right? Um, what was his name? It was, uh, Cristobod the Red or something. (laughs) Something like that, yeah. Uh, and, uh. I just remember his skull crusher was his 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 hammer hammer skull crusher. Um, so there, so then like, and then this kill squad, the team that's supposed to save the family, shows up. Turns out they're with the bad guys. They kill shithead action movie boyfriend guy. Um, and, uh, and he, so Santa's giving track of who's bad or who's bad. The bad guys are on the naughty list and the naughty list like fills up with like 20 more names. Um, and there's this really, so at this point, you know, like Wazamo knows he's there, right? So they're, they're trying to find him and sniff him out. And there were some altercations and like Wazamo, all the, all the new guys that just showed up get like, the shit kicked out of them because Santa finds a sledgehammer um, and just, like, you know, goes on a crazy, like, fight spree, kills a lot of them, uh, blows a dude up with a grenade, with his own grenade. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, all the, uh, Leguizamo's guys start to die. Oh, just dropped something. Um, Leguizamo's guys start to die, like, left and right. It's just him and, like, two other people. Um, there's a snowmobile chase through the woods, uh, and then a final altercation between Leguizamo and, uh, and Santa, um, Santa ends up killing him by, like, doing his, like, touch the side of his nose to go up the tree trick, but he's holding on to him, so he, like, pulls him through this old rustic chimney, like, it, it, it's like a legorious kill in the entire movie, um, where all the other ones are just, like, you know, head, head crushed with hammer kind of thing, uh, mid-fight, so it's very fast. This was, like, uh, we, like, stop on his, like, limbless and headless corpse for a second to, like, just show us that, yes, he's dead. Um, then Santa gets shot a lot by the military, the last military guy who gets killed by Gertrude. Um, and then they use the spirit of Christmas to bring Santa back to life. <laughs> Which, I mean, and this sounds ridiculous. Um, and it is, it's campy, it's goofy, there's a lot of, there's some, like, over-the-top action scenes there's a really funny homage to Home Alone um, that ends love, with the deaths of two of the bad guys. I love how they do that because, 
the first scene where we're introduced to the Lightstones, Trudy and her mom are picking up Jason from, like, the side of the road to go do this trip. And Linda says, like, oh, Trudy's, like, really hyper because she was allowed to stay up late last night watching Home Alone. And then that kind of becomes a theme throughout the movie because she does set, like, Home Alone-style booby traps with much more uh, gruesome endings <laughs> in Home yeah. Alone. Uh, yeah. What I liked about this movie that I think is important to mention for people like me who don't like bloody, gory movies is I always had enough time and enough warning to close my eyes before Mm -hmm. something, like, really violent. Like, I don't know how they did it, but, like, the lead-up was always so perfect where I had plenty of time. And I did close my eyes, like, three or four times. Um, But... I always had the warning to do that. One of those times was actually Santa sewing himself back up Mm -hmm. after he has been sliced open. With an ornament hook? Yeah. There was (laughs) was plenty of time for me to to close my eyes and not have to watch that, which I appreciated. And a lot of times after, like, a very violent scene, they would move back to, like, more of the story part of it. So then you would kind of know when to open your eyes. Um... I'm not suspecting that anyone listening to this is as much of a a baby as I am about that, but I will say, like, that was a plus for the movie for me as someone who was really just going as, like, you know, being a a supportive spouse. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I mean, I, I had a great time with this. I thought it was really fun. Um, it's made by the same, I think it's one of the, one of the, David Leach, one of the executive producers of this. Um, and I don't know what if he did anything else. He also uh, was involved with Nobody, a movie we just watched relatively recently, yeah. and Bullet Train, a movie that I watched with my buddy Paul in the theaters, which is now on like Netflix or something, and you should mm-hmm. absolutely watch it if you have access to it because it's such a fun action romp. And I'd say out of the, if I had to compare the three, I think that Nobody is probably at the was still very good, but is probably at the bottom of the three. Um, Violent Night's the second one, and Bullet Train is ju- is the best. It is so fun, and there is so much more comedy in Bullet Train than there is in this. And there was a decent amount of comedy in this movie, or just like funny lines and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But Bullet Train actually goes for like it. It's it's funny, and the 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 the, the funny beats hit really yeah. well. The characters were so well developed in this, which I love because sometimes in action movies you lose that. Because you don't necessarily need well-developed characters to have a successful action movie. But I think because this one involved developing Santa into this, like, ex-Viking type guy, that everyone else was was given that same sort of, like, thought and consideration into how their character would be built, um, which I really appreciated. I especially liked, and I love, this is a, a romance trope that I really like is something called second chance romance. And I specifically like it when it features married couples. So the fact that Jason and Linda are estranged at the beginning of the movie and all Trudy wants is for them to get back together and figure things out. Um, And you know that it's something they could figure out because Jason also doesn't really want to be under his mom's thumb, but it's like how he is supporting his, his family right now. Um, But just that like, journey they go on of like getting back together and rekindling and reconnecting I thought was really sweet amongst all of this like crazy violence um and there are some great scenes once the family has broken out 
where like Linda is giving given a gun because she had gone hunting with her dad before and Santa was like okay good enough and so Linda's like trying to take everybody down uh from the house by herself which I thought was a lot of fun there is a family bonding scene where um Linda the aunt Alva and her son Brett all uh beat up the character with the pseudonym Krampus with like fire pokers and yeah they're like, hit, they're like beating it up with fire <laughs> with fire tending tools which i mean it's a classic you know murder weapon trope yeah it's the, it's the poker and uh yeah i know that was that was really good they're all just beating the shit out of him it's the the influencer's son and the his mom yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was i was doing a little bit of just like background research on some of the actors and I thought it was really cool. The woman who plays Candy Cane, who is another one of the bad guys, actually has done, like, a ton of stunt double work in a bunch of films, which I thought was really neat. I liked her a lot in this movie. I feel like she had very good, like, facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, she's one of the first, like, staff members we see who are involved in all of this, like, bad stuff. Um, she's working at the bar and... Uh, Jason's sister is just horrible to her and just like the she she was a very good actor I would like to watch her in other things um I also said when we came out of the movie that I wanted to see the little girl who plays Trudy in other things and did you know that she has been on Umbrella Academy which you have watched and I have not she played somebody's daughter and I, I don't think it was like a huge role but she has been on that show huh which I thought That's was kind of cool. I would love to see her in other stuff because I thought that she was so fun. And she did such a good job. There's a great joke. We cannot close this movie without talking about the butt joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. So at one point, uh, Santa's talking about how he's going to... Shove, shove a lump of coal. coal. Yeah. Like, right up the bad guy's asses. But, uh... <laughs> shove a lump of coal right up there. And did this truly say assholes? No... Yes, she does. I think she does. Asses. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, oh, Trudy, you can't say that. That's that's naughty list material. Yeah, we want to keep nice you on the nice list. list. Nice <laughs> list. She's like, can I, can I say buttholes? And he goes, buttholes is a gray area. <laughs> Trudy, it's it's a little, you know. <laughs> she goes, how about anuses? And he goes, yeah, you, you can say anuses. That's the technical name for it. You, you, can, you can say that, yep. And then there was a couple callbacks to it throughout the... (laughs) Yeah. That was pretty funny. Yeah. It was a great movie. It really was. It was a lot of fun. Um, I I recommend it, honestly, which I can't believe I'm saying, because I I did not want to go see it. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I just think it was really, really, you know, it was a fun action romp is what I wanted, and that's what I got. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So we're going to move on to our media break where we're going to be doing a show review. Um, there will be time at time marks in the description of the episode. Timestamps. Well, it's not. Is it a timestamp if you can't click it and then just? I think so. Um. Anyway, Maybe. those things will be marked in the description so that you can kind of figure out what you want to listen to because we watched another twenty twenty two Christmas movie. Uh, this week. So we'll be talking about that after the media break.
The media break is going to start off this week with our series review of Jane the Virgin, which we have finally finished. This is going to have spoilers, unlike any other time that we've talked about Jane. So if you check in the description, you will know where to skip so that you don't have to get spoiled for Jane the Virgin. Um, but if you have watched Jane, then this section is for you. Um, we're going to get started on that right now. So Jane the Virgin is about Jane, who is accidentally, artificially inseminated, um, and the events that follow that. It is inspired by telenovelas, so there is a lot of uh, telenovela plot lines and tropes that are integrated into the story, um, and the editing in this show is actually something else that should be noted. Um, it is the editing, not necessarily the story, but the editing itself is inspired by magical realism, which I personally really love. Um, it's something that I've loved in books before, but had never seen on screen. Um, and that is another kind of element of Latin American culture that is included mm -hmm. into the show is this element of magical realism. And when I talk about that, I mean things like uh, when Jane is in a good mood, you know, sometimes the the flower petals will fall down or things that don't usually talk will talk to her. Um, and it just adds that little bit of, of fun to the show. Um, so after Jane is artificially inseminated, uh, her whole world basically gets turned upside down because she has been saving herself for marriage and she has a serious relationship with a cop named Michael, who is obviously not the father of this baby. Um, and it's kind of a whirlwind from there. What are your thoughts that you would want to share? Um, I was Team Rogelio the whole time. Rogelio? Yeah. Did you mean to say that? Yeah, I've always told you I'm Team Rogelio. Not in the who should be who should who Jane should be with, but I just really like Rogelio. <laughs> I think he was my favorite character. Um, Rogelio is her dad. Uh, he's a fun. Just a fun dude. He's a he's a famous telenovela star, um, and he spends the better half of like the last two seasons uh, trying to break out into being a star in America as well. Um, which I, uh, you know, I I really enjoyed his like all of his arcs. I think he was one of my favorite characters for like just the energy that he bring he brought to the show. Yeah, and like they're talking about it, and we watched the wrap up episode today. We skipped it yesterday because it comes before the finale, which I didn't want to do. Uh, but, like, they, the actor who plays him talked about um, how Rogelio is, like, he has, he goes through the whole gamut of, like, every emotion. He's not just the comedy relief guy. Like, he has very serious moments and very, like, some sad moments as well, you know? And I thought that was, it was really good. It yeah. was really fun. There is a love triangle at the center of this story, um, and I really liked it at the beginning. That's, like, part of the appeal of this show is this sort of, like, love triangle, because what is she supposed to do, you know? Like, all of a sudden she's pregnant, um, and it turns out that the guy whose baby she will be having uh, is Raphael, who is this rich hotel owner who she had met before and, like, kind of had a crush on. It never, like, led to and anything. And her boss. Yeah, and is her boss at the, at the, at the, the show. time. Um, so that relationship between Jane and Michael and Raphael um, is a huge part of the show. And then, eventually, Jane marries Michael in season three, I believe. 
um, and they're super happy, and then that does not last very long, and Michael dies, and then we do this time skip three years ahead. And this is, if you've been listening to this podcast, you would know that when we started out talking about Jane, we were like, this is fun, it's so lighthearted, it's it's a good show, um, and then we reached a point where we were like, we don't want to watch this right now. And that was basically, it was kind of hard to come back from that, and personally, in my opinion, it wasn't necessary. and I was Team Michael, but it wasn't necessarily Michael's death, it was just that we went from having such a lighthearted show to then everything was sad. So, like, Michael was dead, which made Jane a widow, so she's trying to figure that out. We skip ahead three years in advance, we've, like, lost all that time as an audience to, like, even understand what's going on, which was kind of jarring. And then we have, um, Ziamara gets breast cancer, and something goes on with Alba is trying to, um, get back this man that she was in love with, who then she kind of lost yeah rejected two proposals and it just we reached this point where like it felt like nothing happy was happening which i feel like was really hard for this show because it's just not the tone that it's set Mm -hmm. and then things start to get back to normal and jane is like falling in love with Raphael, and we're like okay this we're back on board and then michael comes back from the dead turns out that rose the big villain in the show had faked his death, given him amnesia, and then we're right back to square one (laughs) with the whole Jane Michael Raphael thing, which was great for the first three seasons, but we had already resolved. So it was kind of painful to, like, go back to that. And again, it's Jane was given so little to be happy about. And one of the best things about Jane is how, like, full of life she is. And there are just all these situations towards the end that just, like, really suck the life out of her. And that balance of, like, happy and sad is sort of gone. And then we we do reach a point. I feel like I liked the the last half of season five. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say so. There were still some parts where they were stupid, like, they wrap up things regarding the stuff we didn't like. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think it went well. Yeah, she does end up with Raphael, and they end up, you know, being a family with their son, and my favorite part of this show, thankfully, is something that really didn't change. Um, in fact, it got more focus at that time where everything else was was weird, and that is the friendship that develops between Jane and Raphael's ex-wife, Petra. Um, they really grow to, like, love and respect and trust each other, and it's a slow burn. Like, it takes almost the entire series for them to get there, and so when they do get there, it is very satisfying, and I think that was maybe my favorite part of the whole show. Um, but it also is just, like, a wonderful story about family. Mm -hmm. And there's so- and- and the complexities of family, right? Because we have Jane, who has grown up in her grandmother's house with her mother, without a grandfather and without a father. And then all of a sudden, as an adult, meets her father, and he wants to be a part of her, her life, and he didn't know about her, so now we're integrating that. he still that. loves her mother. Yeah, and he's in love with her mother, which arguably, Jane's parents' love story is maybe the best love story in this show. And there are quite, <laughs> there are quite a few love stories, but just the way that Ziamara and Rogelio, like, it's so clear that they are meant to be together. Yeah. And they just always find a way back to each other. And it that was beautiful. I really, really loved that. Um, 
and yeah, this, I'm, there's so much that's so great about the show, and I don't know what I would recommend to people. Personally, I thought by the end episode I knew, you know, everything that was going to happen. I was like, okay, I'll probably be a little bit emotional, but I think that, like, there's nothing that will, like, really surprise me. And then we find out that this whole story has been narrated by who the subtitles calls the Latin lover narrator. Mm -hmm. And the way the show ends is we find out that this story, Jane the Virgin, is Jane's second novel. This whole story is is the book she writes and it gets turned into a telenovela. And Mateo, her son, is the Latin lover narrator. And the way they revealed that was so... I, I sobbed, honestly, because it just took me totally by surprise and it was so sweet. It was... He was reading at his parents' wedding and he says something... The child says something along the lines of like, yeah, my, my glamour told me I would be a great voiceover actor someday. And then the narrator says... And I was. And it just, like, oh, it was so good. Peter got spoiled for that, which is kind of sad. Yeah. But it hit me pretty hard. So if you had to rate this show out of five stars, what would you rate it? 2.5. 2.5? 3.5. Okay. I feel like, yeah, I would give it a 3.5, too. Which is the number of seasons that were good. Yeah. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. There's like half a season, and I mean there was important character development in like season four and the first half of season five, but just the overall vibe of the show was just like such a downer for so long, and they drag stuff out, and you should be like, I just want him to fuck off for like... What my like Michael returning like just fuck off I you you're such an asshole stop just leave like I just you want mean Jason it. right the like yeah yeah the yeah Michael the Michael return yeah just yeah. like holy shit but then again I was always Team Raphael when it came to the two that reviving for Jane's affections I like called it very early on yeah I was Team Michael up until when he came back I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. anymore because it just didn't make sense i hated that they brought him back to be quite honest i, I get it it was did. a telenovela trope but like and then they and then they made it so that he they had to have part long. of a happy ending towards the end it's like i don't give a shit if he has a happy ending oh at, see at all i liked like, that really I, you, I, you wanted him to have a happy ending or you just yeah i wanted everyone to have a happy ending that's i felt like we were finally getting back to the tone of the, yeah. sh- the show with that i i See, when he came when he came back to the very like last episode for his happy ending, I was just like, I thought we were done. Like I thought he already had his like he's like at the the ranch, you know? Yeah. Like I I don't know. I just I, I, I was like I, I thought we were done with him. I thought we'd already had our goodbye when they like had their little like tearful, you know, understanding that what they had had is now past. You know. I don't know, maybe that's just me. Well, it is a very satisfying love triangle for either camp because she does marry both of them. <laughs> there are two two Jane weddings, uh, which is not the number of total weddings in the in the movie, which or in the show, which is quite a few more than that. But yeah, overall, it was a good show. I think if they had been able to keep up the tone of the first three seasons, it would have been a lot better. Yeah. Um, but still, it was very good. Lots of great characters, great representation for the Latin American community, um, great 
commentary on immigration and how that can affect families. It, in a lot of ways, it was a very good mix of like hard hitting topics and more lighthearted topics until it wasn't <laughs> anymore, yeah. basically. Um, but I definitely would still recommend this show. I just would maybe just recommend the first three seasons. I'm not quite sure. That payoff about the narrator like almost makes me want to say it's worth it, but like I don't think it quite is. Um, so yeah, that's Shane the Virgin. We'll get into the rest of the media break and talk about what we're watching now and maybe what we'll be watching next. So now on to our regularly scheduled media break. I don't think I watched any movies on my own this week. No, I did not. You didn't either? Okay. So, right on to TV together. So, as sort of like a palate cleanser, since we finished Jane the Virgin, we have started The Great British Baking Show. It is technically season 13, but on Netflix it is called series 10, um, because they don't have every season on Netflix. Um... I believe this is what we watched when we finished Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think that's when we watched season nine or series nine. Um, personally, I don't necessarily know if this is true for you or not, but when we finish a big show that we've spent so much time in that world, I need a little bit of a break before I can jump into another like story-based show because I feel like I'm not quite done mentally with the one that we just finished so watching something like the great british baking show in between is is really good for me do you ever feel like that um yeah i feel like that's probably helpful i i have, I have trouble with that because i like i want to jump into something else but then i like peter out a little bit you peter out <laughs> anyway tv separate <laughs> What have we been watching? Wait, we watch more together. We watch Philly Philly Wang Wang. Oh, yeah, I guess that does count as TV, huh? Yeah, well, that's how we watch Yeah, so we watched Phil Wang's stand-up special, Philly Philly Wang Wang. Um, I liked it. I liked it, I too. I like Phil Wang. He's a low-key kind of comedy guy. Yeah, low-key is definitely important to know. He has a different sort of style, but it was also a lot of fun. Like, he he felt a lot like someone you could know in real life, mm -hmm. the way he did his delivery. He has you smiling and chuckling the whole time rather than, like, raucously laughing. But, yeah. you know. Yeah, he's no Russell Howard, but who else is, you know? No. <laughs> but he did He did have some good bits in there. Um, of course, I can't remember any now. <laughs> but I feel like that's kind of his style, right? Is he just, like, slips things in there casually. And you, like, almost don't even, mm -hmm. don't even catch them. Um, yeah, he like he 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 talks about being Chinese Malaysian a lot. Yeah, right. And half uh, Chinese, half white. Oh, the best the best joke was he says he thinks it's funny when people say he is a mi minority because he is both majorities. <laughs> I did love that. Yeah, one. that was very funny. So I think that's it for TV together. So if you want to go into your TV you've watched separately now, I will allow that. Um. Where I can talk still. I don't really know if I've watched much TV. Not even with your friends? No, not really. No. I haven't had much of a run. I started Wednesday, which okay. we had talked about last week that Peter had started it. I had thought maybe we would watch it together, but never said anything. Peter ended up starting it with his friends. Um, so my friend Gina very kindly uh, said she would wait for me to catch up to her and we could watch it together. So I... Um, watch the first episode, I need to watch the second 
and then I'll be able to watch that with her. I've also watched a couple episodes of The Owl House. Um, actually, I've just watched one episode. Uh, but that has still been really fun. The last episode I just watched was about the little demon character King wanting to be a famous author, which was very fun for me as, as someone who loves books. <laughs> Speaking of books, I can't remember what I talked about last week, um, but I did finish Daisy Darker if I hadn't finished that by last week, which was a murder mystery about a children's book uh, author and illustrator and her family. Uh, and I also finished The Stranger in the Lifeboat audiobook by Mitch Album. This is Mitch Album's latest release, at least to my knowledge. Um, he never misses for me. I really enjoy his writing style and the way that he crafts his stories. This book in particular is about a wreck of a major yacht that has a, the world's most rich and famous on it. Um, and the survivors who end up on this lifeboat, uh, they pull a stranger into the lifeboat and he claims that he is God. Um, and so it's just a, a story about a lot of things. It's about faith and family and uh, regret and death. And it, Mitch Album is always able to p pack such a punch in such short books. His books are typically quite short, um, as this one is. Uh, it was not my favorite Mitch Album book. Mostly because I really don't like isolation stories. I used to think that I didn't like outer space. But what I'm coming to realize is it's not outer space I don't like. It's anything where people are like secluded and off on their own. So in a lot of ways, this can happen in an outer space setting in a spaceship. Yeah. Um, or something like I will never read or watch The Martian. Because the whole story is about one guy on Mars. That does not sound appealing to me at all. Um, and so this book kind of had that going for it. it. It did jump from sea to land, so we did get like some later perspective of different characters on the land, but um, yeah, I just really, that's just a personal preference. I did not care to read about a bunch of people on a boat. Um, but obviously that's what made this story what it is. Uh, I am currently reading Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, which is about two friends who are designing a video game together in 1996. It is so good. It won Book of the Month's Book of the Year, and last week I think I said that it didn't win on the Goodreads Choice Awards, but it actually did, um, so I misspoke there. Um, I'm really enjoying that. I cannot wait to keep reading it. I'm about halfway through. Um, it's one of those, like, slower uh, character-focused stories uh, that I tend to love, and I am really loving it. And I'm listening to the audiobook for The Afterlife of Holly Chase, which is by Cynthia Hand. It is a YA Christmas story about a girl who is visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, and doesn't listen to them, and then dies, and is, in her death, uh, becomes the ghost of Christmas past, and has to work for this uh, organization called Project Scrooge. Uh, so far, it's a lot of fun. I am not very far. I think I'm only about 10%, uh, but I am liking it. Nice. You still reading The Deep South? I'm still reading The Deep South. All right. For games, I have not played anything which for me just means I haven't played Animal Crossing. I had wanted to when break started, but honestly now I really don't. I just want to spend 
as little time in front of screens as I can in this time where I like don't have to be in front of a screen doing schoolwork. So I will probably just read a lot. <coughs> I uh, have actually been mostly playing um, Deep Rock Galactic, uh, a game that I... I don't know if I talked about it on this podcast at all because I think I was playing it. You mentioned it last I week. Played it. But yeah, but I mean like before. I wonder. Um, Deep Rock Galactic is a game where you are dwarves and you are mining, and you are in space. There's this. You're you're part of this mining company, the Deep Rock Galactic Mining Company. Um, you are all. You're all dwarfs, like a holy dwarf company, um, and you are mining out this planet, but it's actually an asteroid called Hoxie's 4. Um, Hoxie's 4 is uh, full of different weird minerals that the dwarves want for different things, and these are the currencies you use to upgrade your character and stuff like that. Um, and then, aside from that, it is also fully inhabited and swarmed by these little alien monsters called Glyphids. Um, they are spider ant-esque um and they are uh numerous <laughs> so uh, as the one character uh as as one of the character lines says um because uh there's a character no we're gonna do this today um as a character um in the game says uh sorry i had that was an aside um your your little mule that carries around all your minerals for you is Molly, he goes, Molly carries minerals, we shoot bugs in mine, dwarf life in a nutshell. And that's very true. Um, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it, you know? Uh, you, you, it, it's really fun, it's got a pretty quick repetitive game loop, uh, that I really enjoy. Um, and then, uh, outside of, uh, that video game, uh, we are, um, my D&D group has transferred from uh, our current campaign. We're taking a little bit of a hiatus, a little bit of a break, uh, and because I got a story idea in my head that I need to get out before it, you know, I either lose it or it takes over too much in my thinking and my other story suffers for it. Um, for Kids on Bikes, uh, which is a setting and a system type that allows you to kind of um, role-play something Super 8 or... Uh, Stranger Things-esque, where you're a bunch of kids in, like, the 80s, and you're riding, you're, it's kids on bikes, you are kids on bikes, um, and there's something supernatural going on, and I'm sort of crafting a story as we go, we had a really good session last Friday where they found some, like, crazy horror monsters in the swamp, and I, I set mine in, like, the Everglades, so that'd be a really cool setting to have a little, you know, 80s kids campaign in, but that was pretty fun. Um, I want to... Uh, and I know we usually do our rapid, rapid recommends at the end of the month, but we did two at the end of last month. Um, I want to do one this week um, because we're getting so close to Christmas, um, and our next podcast will actually go up after Christmas, I think, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I'm going to do our pre-Christmas rapid recommend, if that's okay with you. Sure. Sound fun? I, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I don't really understand why it's happening. I don't know. Still. I don't think we do these enough, to be honest. We can do it every I like, week. If I you like want. them. I, I don't know. What, I don't know if I want to do them every week. Maybe next year we'll do them every other week or something like that. But I think they're actually they're kind of fun, especially when we don't get booked like three times in a row. You know, 
um, to give us a little more variety. But do you want to pull it or should I? You can. Okay. Um, let's get this one. TV show. Okay, we have had this one before, too. We've had this one so before, we'll... too? All right, let's do this No, one. we can do TV show, oh, okay, and then okay, we right. pull it. Okay, we're just we going to decide. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think my rapid rap recommend TV show is... Uh, did I do Fresh Meat last time? No, no I did Inside Job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fresh Meat uh, is kind of one of those... It's, it's Honestly, the, the name is pretty vile sounding. Um, it is not about the meatpacking industry, as it might suggest. <laughs> Um, it is about a bunch of kids who start university in England. Um, I believe, I don't remember what exact university they go to. It might be Edinburgh or something. No, it's, that's Scotland. It's, some, it's somewhere else. It, it's, it's not a huge school. Um, but it's, it's the story of everyone who, these guys do a flat share together. Um, and that's, the, that like starts it off. That's the beginning. Uh, and it's like five or six characters. One of them is played by Jack Whitehall, who we love and we've talked about repeatedly on this show. For we love him. Um, this might have been the first thing that Autumn saw him in. I think. Yes, it was. Um, I made her watch it. I made her try a bunch of the British comedy stuff that I really, or the British TV like drama comedy stuff that I watched. Um, there are some drama moments. There are a lot of comedy moments. This is, I would say, this is airs more on the side of comedy than drama. As opposed to something like Skins, which is far more drama than comedy. Um, I just love it. It's really good. And everyone should watch it. And it's only like, what, like 16, no, maybe like 24 or 48 episodes? It's short. 36 episodes, I think. It's like four seasons. Each of them is like eight to ten episodes or something like that. So totally worth it. Super quick. Really fun. I want to recommend Ted Lasso. And I want to recommend it because I'm sure you've heard about it and it has been very hyped up maybe even overhyped and i just want to say that it's worth the hype um sometimes things are and this is definitely one of them this show kind of has everything it has great characters it's got a great storyline um it's emotionally impactful but it's also laugh out loud funny at different points um you do not have to care about soccer at all to watch this show um it's got a lot of really great uh valuable Life Lessons, uh, Jason Sudeikis is wonderful in it, uh, Brett Goldstein, my man, is wonderful in it, um, and I, I just wanted to take this opportunity to say, if you're on break, if you've got some more time, um, it might be time to watch Ted Lasso, um, season three should be coming up soon, I think, is it? um, it's in the works, if nothing else, but I, I just wanted to take the opportunity to say, if you've been hearing about Ted Lasso everywhere and you feel like it is overhyped, I promise you it is worth the hype. You've got to watch it. Our second movie of the week is one that Peter had seen that I hadn't even heard about, um, mainly because Peter is a huge Asa Butterfield fan. When she says seen, that means I, I noticed it on Amazon. Yes. I hadn't actually watched it before, just to clarify. Yes, it is brand new, as we've mentioned a couple times. Um, The movie is Your Christmas or Mine. It stars Asa Butterfield, as I had already mentioned, and Mm -hmm. Cora Kirk. They play uh, students at a university who are in a fairly new relationship. I think it's like two months, um, and they're going off for Christmas break. And they get on their respective trains and then realize they would rather spend Christmas with each other. So both of them get off their trains and get on the other person's trains 
which ends in Aza Butterfield's character James being at Cora's character Haley's house and Haley being at James's house for the holidays without each other. There's a massive snowstorm. They end up getting snowed in, so they don't have the opportunity to leave and go back to each other or their respective families. And they learn that they've been keeping some secrets from each other. One of which is that James's name is not even James. It is Hubert. Uh, and he is the son of an Earl. And Haley has uh, a fiance, which is then revealed that they had broken up and she just had not told her parents, but she was not ready for her parents to meet her new boyfriend because they thought that she still had a fiancé. Um, so this movie features these two in kind of fish-out-of-water scenarios, um, and like all good Christmas movies do, it kind of ends with a very heartwarming uh, family reconnection sort of uh, theme. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I, I I like to point out that there's a this massive snowstorm is like two inches of snow <laughs> because the UK famously cannot handle any remote amount of snow. It shuts them down. So like, all the trains are all of a sudden canceled. <laughs> but like, they're fully able to just drive on country back roads to each other's like places right which is wild it's like well if the car's working just fine why is the train not working you know (laughs) but yeah that was really funny but i i I, as autumn said i love asa butterfield i think he's great um i don't remember if he's ender in ender's game he is he is okay Mm -hmm. yeah that was like younger young asa butterfield and isn't he hugo in Hugo Cabrera. Uh, he might be. I think yeah. he is. Uh, and he's... Uh, but I'd mostly... Maybe he's not. I, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't tell you. Um, I watched that movie, but I don't really remember it. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, he is the main character in Sex Education, an Amazon... Or, sorry, a Netflix show. Love Sex Education. Such a fun British... Com- or, like, a British comedy, like, coming-of-age show. Um, super good. Uh, so, yeah, uh, he's, he's great. He's a great actor. I love, he, he's got this really great, like, I don't know. He, he's just, he's really good at it. So it's fun to kind of see him, you know, in, in this one. I just, I just, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not making much sense right now. I'm just talking about how much I like Ace of Butterfield. But, uh, yeah, uh, I thought this was really fun. I read the I read the description. I thought it was gonna be interesting. Um, I got it was a little more than I thought because I kind of thought based on the description that they would the family would know, you know, at least know about them, and then it would just be a weird like, you know, yeah, maybe like some dirty laundry. This was more dirty laundry than I could have possibly expected, <laughs> um, and it I really liked the the dads in both scenarios. Um, you know, uh, Haley's dad just being like kind of like a goofy fool kind of character who really says some insightful stuff uh, and is really nice to uh, to James towards the end. You know, once once they kind of figure it out, right? He's like, I never liked Steve. He was a <laughs> bit of an idiot. <laughs> I didn't like him at all. I'm really glad that she's not with him anymore. Um, and kind of they kind of talk uh, and. Um, 
Humphrey Hughes, uh, James's dad, the Earl of uh, Gloucester, the Earl of Gloucester, putting Aza's at, or putting James three hundred and seventh in line for the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, was he was he was like you know super gruff, and you can tell, but then you can kind of tell that there's got to be a reason for it. Like he's not like a just a mean man to be mean. He just seems like exasperated and stressed out constantly when we see him be like kind of the mean guy you know um and you know it's because uh james's mom passed away like four years ago um for the movie right uh and that you we kind of see like Haley sort of in her like goofy drama kidness you know uh and the, their housekeeper Iris's, like, you know, insightful comments kind of wake him back up. It's like, how oh, I am being an asshole. Like, I have not really been myself since my wife passed away. And I really need, we need, I need to work on that, you know. So um, his whole transformation back into something that resembles probably closer to what James had as a kid was very nice, too. And, like, you know, there's, like, love there. He also has a bomb dropped on him. Humphrey does, because this whole time he thinks that James is training to be in the military. Yes. <laughs> um, so he finds out through Haley. Um, she tries to keep the act up, but eventually it just kind of falls through. He finds out that James has been enrolled in drama school. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 thought, it was, I thought it was really fun. I thought that was really good. Um, I, I would have given this movie a memorable, I think. But beyond when I re- when I found it when I was looking through movies, I remember what the name was. <laughs> so maybe I'll remember it now. Maybe I won't. Um, maybe it'll just get swept under the rug like a lot of those rom com names I can't quite put together. Right? Yeah, there is something about rom com names, isn't there? Yeah, and like unless it's when Harry met Sally, you just don't care. You know. I don't know that that's true necessarily. But... I know, but some of them are just very generic. Like, When Harry Met Sally is, is pretty, you know, significant. You've got mail, unfortunately, I remember. Um, and then I couldn't tell you what the name of the one with Jack Nicholson in it was. I think I said it wrong when I talked about it a couple weeks ago, too. Yeah. I remember going through our it, notes. It wasn't a bad one. I liked it. I remember, like, finding it pretty entertaining. Yeah. But I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> I don't even remember what the last one we watched was. Synchronicity? Syn- 13 going on 30. 13 going on <laughs> Completely off. Serendipity is one, but we haven't seen that yet, right. I don't think. Right. That's, that's where I was getting him. And, you know, but I thought this was very good, you know. Yeah, this isn't, I mean, it's a rom-com in a lot of ways, but also, like, yeah. for most of the movie, James and Haley aren't together. Mm-hmm. It's a Christmas um, comedy. Is really so, it. Yeah, it's got a lot of family themes, which is really fun. I love... Haley's big family. Mm-hmm. Um, the way this kind of starts out for James is he's walking trying to find her house and he thinks he's being mugged by two little kids who end up being Haley's brothers. They're like running into the house trying to defend themselves. Um, and they had asked about his coat and he said it was called a gilet. And then for the rest of the movie, her entire family calls him gilet. Like, that's his name, which is very... It's a very British thing to do, is to, like, give someone a nickname that quickly, you know? Like, I've seen that in a lot of British stuff. They'll just, like, oh, yep, that's... We're just gonna call you that now. (laughs) That's really funny. 
he actually in in his scenario um pretends that he is a gay friend of Haley's because Haley's aunt keeps hitting on him so much mm-hmm. that he figures that's how he can get that to stop um so it's very confusing for her family when he is so upset when he meets uh Haley's supposed fiance Steve they're all wondering why why he's so worked up about that because supposedly he's her gay friend and not her boyfriend mm-hmm. yeah Haley loses her phone. Yes. When she, oh, excuse me, when she gets off the train, which ends up being obviously a huge obstacle they have to overcome, she's almost shot by the man who lives just outside of the Hughes estate. Who we find out is. Is. Old man Hughes, (laughs) the grandfather. Yeah, Humphrey Hughes' father. Um, There is a scene, I'm so glad it worked out the way it did, because I just, (sighs) dog deaths in... (laughs) <laughs> in in media are unnecessary. We just just don't do it. Nobody wants it. Just don't do it. We can we can agree on that. We'll we'll at least let let them live forever in in movies and TV. But there's this scene where the dog gets out. The dog's name is Peanut, which was kind of fun for us because our dog, her name is Molly, but she also answers to Peanut because she is called that so often. Um, but Peanut escapes, and Haley's running after him, and the old man finds them, and he is trying to prove to her that the electric fence isn't turned on, it doesn't work. And so he grabs a hold of it and is shocked, and it makes his gun go off, and he shoots the dog. And we don't see what happened. And I was just, Peter was in the other room, we actually ended up having to rewind, but I was like, I think the dog is dead. Like, I think he shot the dog. I, like, don't know what's going on, but it turns out Peanut Peanut is okay. And it was a shock that he, like, like scratched his head, and the dog was, like, in shock yeah. for a second, which was... <sighs> Much preferable yeah. to the, the alternative. Yeah. But the whole movie ends with Haley's family all piling into her dad's ice cream truck and driving off to the Hughes estate to grab James. What I don't understand here is... They pile in this truck, they go to get James, and instead of having Christmas at the Hughes estate where there is so much room for all of those people, they go back to Haley's house and have the Christmas there. Well, they have to because they left Nan at home. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> they forgot Nan. <laughs> yeah, they live with... It's such a, an interesting family dynamic because it is, it's Haley's parents, Haley's mom's dad, Haley's dad's mom... Haley's mom's sister, Haley and Haley's two brothers. All in, all packed into a flat in yeah. where Macclesburg or something. Yeah, Macclesfield, Macclesfield, I think. Yeah. So very polar opposite situations. And I had told Peter when we were talking about this movie after we watched it, the one thing I really wish it would have done is that there had been more not necessarily going on, but maybe more staff, more people to talk to. Um at the Hughes estate to make Haley's parts more interesting because to me the James scenes in Haley's house were much more interesting and when we had Haley kind of like by herself trying to figure out why James's dad is so grumpy I was sort of like eh I'd rather see what's not that I didn't like it but I'd rather see what was going on at the more exciting place filled with more people um so that is one thing I would maybe change about this movie. But overall, the concept is really fun, and it has all that great... Just all the all the great things that are in Christmas movies. The same themes. Um, it's funny, it's silly, um, it's snowing all the time, which of course adds to the vibes. They're trudging around in the snow, because they both... 
are constantly deciding to leave and then having to come back to the house that they're staying in, which can be kind of funny at times. <laughs> yeah, all that back and forth. I really liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it's a feel-good one for sure. Yeah. So I think that's going to be it for this week. Yeah, I think um, I'm not quite sure how next week is going to look as far as when we're going to fit movies in. I did, on the recommendation of my friend Brittany, check out her favorite movie from the library, which is The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, she wanted me to make it clear again, that especially to Peter, that um, that is her favorite movie and not Across the Universe. <laughs> Even though she had recommended that one to us as well. So we are going to watch that, um, and I'm sure we'll watch plenty of movies when we're at home. So I'm not quite sure what, what the rest of the podcast for the end of the year are going to look like, but I guess we'll when figure we that out. When do we get back? Like, what day of the week? We get back on a Tuesday. So we could hypothetically record and then put the podcast up, but it's going to depend. Um, and then in January, we are going to be having somewhat of bonus episodes, um, doing a big wrap-up of the year and everything yeah. we've watched. Which wrap up, and fun. then we're going to make some changes around here. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> See ya!